Welcome to today's Encore Live presentation, Flamenco and what follows. I'm your host, James Smith, Regional Director at Encore Tours, coming to you from my home office here in California. I know we have uh, participants from all over the country, and so on behalf of all of us at Encore, we'd like to thank you so much for joining us today. Before we get started, I just need to briefly go over how this works as webinar formats work a little differently to the regular Zoom meetings. All attendees are muted, and while you can see us, we unfortunately can't see you. However, we do want this to be interactive, so please use the question and answer box. You should see at the bottom of your screen to send us any questions or comments, and we'll do our best to answer those during or after the presentation. We're gonna spend the next 30 minutes or so learning about the history and importance of the flamenco musical tradition. Specifically, we'll be looking at flamenco as an art form, musical discipline, and philosophical influence on all areas of Spanish life. Spain has always been one of the most popular destinations for our touring ensembles. We'll often hear how a highlight of a trip was hearing live flamenco in Andalusia. For anyone that's heard flamenco, it's a deep, passionate, powerful, mystical musical form, an entwined relationship between dancer and guitarist. I've always had a love for listening to flamenco myself, uh, which possibly derives from my first guitar as an 11-year-old being a Spanish guitar that my mother bought me to start classical guitar lessons in a small group of, of other students. I thought it was fitting in rather well to this until I realized I was the only student shouting ole after each chord progression, and then I kind of realized something was, something was amiss. I actually still have the guitar. Uh, it's actually next to me here. So I'll show you that. This is what I got for my mother as an 11-year-old. Pretty cool, still sounds the same, hopefully. So anyway, that's our flamenco demonstration today. Thanks for joining us. Um, <laughs> no, in reality, unfortunately for today's webinar, due to the additional weight gain caused through self-isolation, I'm sorry to say that I can no longer fit into my red flamenco dress. I can no longer play my guitar, so further demonstrations won't be possible. However, to serve as our guide and resident authority on flamenco, we're pleased to have longtime Encore Tour manager, Sonia Beck, with us today. And she's just going to communicate with us from the unknown region of Spain called Swansea. Hi, Sonia. <laughs> Hi there. Hello. How are you doing? Good? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much. Thank you for that lovely introduction. I am indeed coming from uh, Swansea, South Wales. Um, but I was 10 years old um, when my family moved to Barcelona in Spain. And so began a great love affair for me with the country and the culture. Um, however, I was quite a bit older than that when I attended a flamenco show for the first time. I've worked for ACIS for ooh, 20 years now, and I work principally in Spain and France and the UK. Um, but I think probably I'd always enjoyed dance. I'd, I'd learned salsa and Latin American dance, but I think it was probably as a tour manager that I first saw flamenco live. And it really blew me away. Um, it completely, uh, I found it incredibly moving. Um, I'm also an actor and I, I had 10 years performance background at that point. And I found myself really fascinated by what it was in this particular style of performance 
that was so compelling. And so in a sense, this session is an attempt to answer that question that I had. Um, I know there will be some musicians amongst us and they'll probably know much more than I do about the actual musical form of flamenco. Um, some of you, as you say, James, will have seen flamenco live. Some, some of you might even be dancers. Um, but for some, it might be a completely new uh, art form, new kind of idea. So I'm going to start this evening, as it is for me, um, with a summary of the various elements that make up a flamenco performance. And then I'm going to go on and touch on the mysterious concept of duende which is a word I'll come back to. Um, uh, and I'm going to attempt to explain how it, Duende is found at the heart of not just flamenco, but all performance art, or more specifically, all performance art that has an audience. So to get us in the mood, I'm just gonna set myself up technically here. Apologies for any technical shortcomings that we may have, but uh, I'm sure we'll sort those out. Yeah, I'm going to start um, just by uh, playing a short clip of a flamenco performance in Madrid. And here we go. Yeah, and this is a typical um, classical uh, flamenco taverna or cabaret um, in Madrid City. And this is a little bit of what you might get if you go. <laughs> There we go, Ole, the quadro or performance group of Las Carboneras in Madrid. Moving on, um, nobody really knows the origins of flamenco itself. Um, some people suggest that it was started in the Far East um, or India. It's definitely known of as a gypsy art form. And of course, um, uh, gypsy uh, uh, as a term covers a lot of different indigenous and racial groups. Um, many say that um, the first gypsy migrants were from Egypt, hence the word gypsy. But we also see influences from Romani gypsy peoples of Eastern Europe, um, further roots in uh, North Africa um, and um, the Arabian um, Peninsula. There are theories that flamenco may have even come from the Jewish diaspora, um, living in Belgium or Flanders, hence flamenco, um, the word for Flemish in, in Belgium. Um, most probably there are influences from all of those in modern flamenco, but what seems very clear is that it was introduced to Spain um, by the Moors of North Africa and the Romani gypsies who'd migrated into Andalusia, where the art form really has its sacred heart, if you like. Flamenco is um, made up of three uh, or four um, different elements. The first one is uh, guitar. And here you see a picture of Paco de Lucia, one of the great exponents of flamenco guitar. Here we see the flamenco royalty. He is, uh, he's a magnificent um, guitarist. He, guitar is featured as a solo and an accompaniment instrument. Um, it's accompanied by um, hand clapping or palmeras. It establishes um, the rhythms of the piece, the compass, um, and it's a highly complex, technically fiendish uh, instrument um, with a load of virtuoso riffs and strummings. Um, and as a solo instrument, it's, it's 
a, a real powerhouse. One of the lovely things is to see a flamenco guitarist actually at the end of a session um, presenting his guitar to the audience and, and thanking it, or honoring um, the instrument that has um, taken him to that point. And I think we've just got a very short clip of Paco de Lucia in action. copyright reasons our clips are going to be very um, short this afternoon um, but that's just a little taster of the capabilities of the instrument in live performance. Moving on we clearly have um, the song or canto which is incredibly important um, to the flamenco experience. It's perhaps one of the most unusual elements of flamenco and where you can most clearly hear an Arabic or Eastern influence um, depending on the rhythm or style of flamenco that you're listening to the songs are very often about heartbreak and loss and longing and loving. Um, it's very rarely good news, I have to say. Um, the particular features of flamenco song um, are the hoarse or cracked voice quality they talk about. Um, traditionally, Western music, um, we talk about the head voice, don't we? This sort of the voice is produced in the resonators of the head. But in flamenco, it's very much sung on the larynx or from the diaphragm and gives a very different quality. Um, people would say, recalls the Moisin call to prayer in the mosque um, because also it uses semitone and demi-semitones a lot which western music does less of um, and it has a really um, strong storytelling element so the song and the guitar together are a magnificent backdrop. Looking at the rhythmical form we've got those hand claps that I was mentioning the palmeras um, and they really give the the, the, the sort of rhythmic bass um, to the music it can be in many different rhythms, um, three, four, six beats to the bar. Um, classically, you'll have a 12 beat bar, but it's when the counter rhythms of um, six, eight and three, four are pushed together that you get that incredibly exciting sort of counter rhythm. And that's often gives flamenco the energy um, that it has. So that's the hand claps, but of course, the prime element is the dance. For many people, the dancers are the star attraction, both male and female. Um, years of training to develop um, arabesque hand movements and arm movements and really intense uh, footwork. Um, it's a really powerful pounding of the um, toe and heel onto the floor um, that give flamenco its, its, its kind of force and its energy, drawing up um, the, the life force of the earth, if you like, um, in the feet. Um, depending on what you're watching, you might see a solo malist uh, dancer, a solo female dancer, um, a quadro of, of, of um, four women, um, or um, a, a man and woman dancing together. And that really is a summary of, of what the different elements of flamenco are, um, just, just to start with. So Sonia, Sonia, when did uh, flamenco start gaining its popularity? Um, well, that's an interesting one. Probably as a commercial form um, in the early part of the 1900s. So I'd say 1920 to 1950-ish. Um, that was a time at which the, uh, there was a lot of migration from the countryside. Um, agricultural workers were coming to the big cities as industrialization took over. So they brought 
with them these folkloric art forms um, and set up. So it, that's when it stopped being just a family or community gathering and became a public event. Um, also uh, later on after the Civil War, um, when Franco was sort of trying to sell Spain to the world, the flamenco show became a, a big part of that. So I guess you could tie in that as well. Also quite interestingly, um, from the 20s onwards, um, flamenco performances got a tax break, but the opera houses didn't. So it became a, a sort of cheaper um, form of entertainment as well. Um, I think, yeah. So we looked a little bit at the elements of a flamenco experience but what I'm really interested in is how this art form connects to contemporary culture in Spain today and how it influences um, cultural life in Spain and way beyond across the globe. You'll find the essence of flamenco performance in art, in music, in sport, in literature, in all areas of public life and at the heart of this experience is that thing I mentioned called duende. So, duende, um, the derivative form duende casa, lord of the house. It's um, in mythology an actual physical present thing. Duende is a muse, a goblin, a spirit based in Spanish folklore or mythology. It's a source of inspiration, a spirit of evocation as well, that lies at the heart of every creative artist. It's a thing that moves you when you're watching a performance or listening to a piece of music. The reason you might jump for joy or even shed a tear, uh, that happens because you are in the presence of Duende. Um, this alien force that sort of is at the heart of live performance has been best described probably, um, not by a choreographer or flamenco dancer, um, but actually by a giant of Spanish literature. And I'm talking about the poet and playwright Federico García Lorca. So Lorca's dates 1898-1936. Um, he was a famous poet and playwright um, of classical Spanish literature. Um, he was from Gypsy Origins himself, very proudly. Um, and his work, really, if you look at his plays and his poetry, um, it's an examination of the spiritual heart of Spain, the, the really dark, deep impulses and passions which he believed controlled people and which inevitably were destined to kind of clash with the society that they lived in at the time. So that's where the drama and all the chaos and tragedy comes from in Lorca. Um, his obsession with the dark forces of nature is what connects his poetry and plays with the music and the dance of Spain with flamenco and with Duende itself. Um, they can be seen everywhere. Um, this is a poster for a flamenco ballet which is based on Lorca's play Bodas de Sangre, or Blood Wedding. So he took Lorca's Blood Wedding, um, this famous choreographer Carlos Saura, and in 1986 he choreographed a film of the ballet. So it's the story um, set to flamenco dance and it's, it's an astonishing piece of work. You can find it online or streaming or you probably buy a DVD as well. Um, but it's a really amazing dance drama and takes you in a direct line between Lorca and, and flamenco. Um, modern musicians have used flamenco quite a lot. A lot of current Spanish music, fusion music, um, involves um, 
flamenco styles. This is Manzanita, a very popular um, Madrid musician, uh, recent, well, not, not long passed away, and he set one of his most popular uh, tunes, uh, Verde, to Lorca's um, ballad, Romance Sonambulo. And um, it, it's a very mystical, um, strange piece about the colour green and the significance of green, not only the green of Andalusia, but the green of, of youth and, and childhood and um, innocence and, and jealousy and, and all the rest. But Manzanita, straightly influenced and commanded by Lorca and the flamenco um, tradition there. So we see these roots kind of bending out. Um, Lorca said, um, he wrote a wonderful uh, piece on Duende um, in, a, in a lecture. He did a lecture series in New York. And he says, all arts are capable of Duende, but where it finds greatest range naturally is in music, dance and spoken poetry. For these arts require a living body to interpret them, being forms that are born, die, and open their contours against an exact present. So making the point that Duende can only be possible in live, living, corporal body. Um, and I think you see that in, that's why you go to a live show in many ways. He also said, the Duende isn't in your throat. Duende wells up from inside the soles of your feet. It's not a question of ability, but of true living style of blood, of ancient culture, of the very act of creation. Put very simply, Duende, as far as Lorca is concerned, is present in any art where there's an awareness of life and death, where the sense of mortality is most acute. And that's a very, very Spanish um, piece of philosophy or, or thought. And of course, nowhere is that clearer than in another iconic Spanish tradition, the bullfight. So we have here Matador, in the ring at the moment of the kill. And the links between flamenco and bullfighting are undeniable. Bullfighting is not to everybody's taste. Actually, it's not particularly to mine, but it is considered in Spain a creative art rather than a sport. And there is a moment towards the end of every bull's time in the ring when the matador has sort of done his work and he's pacified the bull and he's brought the bull within his command and turned it to face him. And everyone present in the ring knows that that is the moment before the kill. The bull and the bullfighter stare at each other, the moment that's captured here in this picture. And there's a shared understanding of what is going to happen next. And at that moment of death, many people say, and I, I would agree, having witnessed it many times, that in that moment of pure communication, the bull actually submits to its fate. And in that moment, if all goes well, you can find the most, the truest and purest uh, moment of Duende. Of course, it doesn't always go well. Um, it can be a very bloody and unpleasant and messy um, end. Um, but what they are striving for genuinely is that, that purity, that clarity of communication. Um, and it is a powerful thing to witness, to bear witness to. Um, on another side, you can see that the flamenco dance moves themselves echo the bullfight um, quite intensely. Um, there you can see a dancer 
um, dancing with the shawl, which is a very common technique, but it absolutely echoes the way the matador manipulates the cape in the ring. Often if a man and a woman dance together, one will play the role of the bull, the other of the matador. Um, and a lot of the back bends and arm movements and so on um, will be very similar to what the bull fighter is doing um, when he's working with the bull. So very direct line of, of, of sort of DNA there. Sonia, but to go so what's, back... the, what's the feeling on bullfighting today in Spain? Ah, what, well, interesting, interesting question. I would say um, it's diminishing in popularity, particularly amongst the younger people. There's a, a far greater awareness of animal rights, thank goodness. Um, a lot of people are very um, upset by it in the younger, um, younger tradition, I suppose. Um, a guide once explained it to me, uh, and I thought this was quite good. 20% are avid fans and will be season ticket holders and will go to see every bullfight um, that, that's going. 20% are militantly anti-bullfighting and about 60% take it or leave it. She sort of says, yeah, it's like opera. You know, most people nowadays, yeah, whatever. Um, but there, there are, there's a, there's a faction that are very passionately either um, anti, but, but possibly right. it's, it's going to die. Um, it's going to die out as being a major um, central um, tradition, right. which in a way would be a shame. It's a difficult one. I'm quite conflicted. <laughs> it would, yeah. Um, so moving on to the, um, uh, well, in fact, returning to the, the dance itself, where we started, I'm going to play three short uh, video clips. Unfortunately, um, copyright does mean that we've got to keep them uh, very brief, but just want to have a little snapshot, um, bearing in mind this sense of tension or possession that I've been attempting to describe. And I think in all of them, you will see evidence of the promise of Duende, at least. So first one is Paco de Lucia again. Just going to stop him because I want to explain that he is um, he's invited on stage um, another guitarist and uh, the two of them are riffing together and the guitars are doing a call and response thing and I think what's so amazing is that you can see that not only do the guitarists have this intense kind of communication between them but so do the guitars. In a sense, the guitars are leading um, and the players are following. Um, but it's a delightful little snapshot. Uh, sorry, got to go back. I think I love I love the way the guitars speak to each other and and that the, the, the two relationships are working at a, at, at a different level the, the two guitarists and the two guitars um, really special and you hear the audience response to that as well they they definitely kind of were swept into that that moment there um, coming up next this is a flamenco singer I was in a bar in Granada and I caught him on camera and 
um, they say that probably the closest uh, song form to flamenco song is is the blues. Um, it's the story of lived experience. It's always heartbreak, um, uh, and it's always something um, a deep anguish of of the soul. So take a little listen to some of this. hasn't had a large brandy to help him along there but it always does uh, play its part in this story of kind of heartbreak and and lament but um, I hope you can see what I mean about the blues tradition and and the sense of with very simple chords um, really um, yeah letting your letting your lived experience be there. Um, finally in the in the video clips um, we have a flamenco dancer Patricia Guerrera. Um, first one is um, is a moment of real stillness. Flamenco doesn't have to be sound and fury. Um, it's about the connection. And I think you can just see her drawing the energy to her and, and allowing her focus to be established so that she can do the work she needs to do. Moving on, this is her towards the end of her set, a little more animated. we can see there the sort of cycle of suspense and explosion of energy that um, in, a, in a good performance you'll, you'll hope to see. Duende of course isn't 
specific and, and, and exclusive uh, to flamenco, this notion of, of possession of spirit, of demon, whatever you want to call it, um, is found in any walk of life and in any part of the world. So I've just got a few slides here um, to show various different examples. First one, um, oh, beg your pardon, getting ahead of myself. There's one last clip, <laughs> always even wanting more. Um, was last clip that I wanted to show you, which I love because it features young people. So flamenco cuts across the generations. And this is um, at the flamenco um, tablao um, Casa Patas. And it's a group of kids who are in a club and dance together. And pay attention to the kids behind the main dancer as well, because the focus and the energy and the fact that it requires the whole community to pay into it is what's fun here. And I just love seeing this kid enjoying herself so much. <laughs> This little kid in white, I just, I just love her. And it really is, uh, it really is testament to the fact that this is something that is in the DNA. It's, it's, it's not learnt, it's not taught. Um, you only need to see a four-year-old. Um, yes, possibly mimicking mum, but really already completely connected to the energy that is, is required to this. Um, and it cannot be kind of faked, really. Um, so moving back to where I was, um, some slides that just show various moments in time. Uh, this is Messi, um, the Barcelona football player. He's, um, I'm not quite sure because I haven't found it on, on real video, but he's either about to flip that ball over his head into the net or he might be going to tap it and shoot it into goal. Nobody knows, but in that moment, the possibility of success, of overreaching, they would say that that moment has a certain duende. The whole of the audience, audience, the, the crowd, um, will have an intake of breath and that moment of suspense can be found there as well in the most glorious um, sporting moments. Um, here we have a musical duo. We have um, the violinist, um, Leila Josevich uh, and um, Susanna Malki, conductor. And I like this because it's two female musicians who appear to me to be completely connected, again, like the guitarists. The concentration is, is absolute um, and the synergy um, between them. And you just know that whatever's happening there, uh, there is magic being made. Um, and that's what we pay our money to see. That's what we hope for. Um, but th this is a really dynamic um, violinist um, who's, who's always wonderful to watch. In the world of song, Two examples that I think um, embody duende more than any others, and neither of them are Spanish. We've got Judy Garland, who's American, Edith Piaf, the uh, French chanteuse, um, but they both had the ability to uh, put their lived experience in front of the audience and to bear their souls and to be truly in the moment. I think both of them live could do that. Um, Judy Garland singing um, Battle Song of the Republic just after JFK died. I mean, 
she's an amazing storyteller and she compels you to listen because you know she is in the moment. Um, and the same of PF. A lot of this, <laughs> it's all a bit miserable, I'm afraid, because it is all, a lot of it is about suffering um, and hardship and pain. But out of that comes something very beautiful. So I love these two performers very much. Um, fine arts, Vincent van Gogh, um, he, his, his art um, controlled him and in the end destroyed them, some would say. Um, the energy with which the, the paint is applied to the canvas in Van Gogh's um, case is slightly manic um, and has a tremendous energy, a ferocious force of its own. And you could say um, you can feel that kinetic energy um, looking at a still canvas as well as a live um, performance, although unusual. Then political speeches. We've got Martin Luther King Jr. and Emmeline Pankhurst, the great suffragette um, leader um, of the early 1900s, both extraordinary um, orators. But it's not oratory that I'm talking about. I'm talking about an, a moment of inspiration, a moment of possession where you can command a crowd of thousands. Um, and a director once said to me that is only about having the truth. So if you have the truth, you have Duende. <laughs> um, and I think we don't see very much of this these days and maybe that's where it's all gone wrong. Um, we don't do mass public meetings. We do, you know, webinars and we do political presentations on Zoom, whereas this, this contact uh, is, is, is very important for, for the energy um, and the truth of what you're saying to be communicated. Um, Lorca was clear that, again, sound and fury isn't it. It's about a moment of stillness as well, but a moment of real clarity. So all that sounds incredibly kind of um, poetic or uh, romantic, but actually it's nothing more than you would expect when an artist is profoundly in the moment. Those of you who are performers or musicians um, know it's about a very sort of distilled, concentrated energy. It's what you pay your money for. Um, and if you rehearse, you know, well, uh, you will hope that you have it on the night. Um, uh, the most important point is that the feeling that I've been describing, this duende, um, that we've seen captured on the camera, is contagious. It affects the audience. Um, so anybody in the presence of duende, spectator or artist, will feel it. Um, and some of that feeling will be transmitted to those in the room. So you as the audience are absolutely part of it. And that's how you get to share in the agony and the ecstasy of any artistic sort of enterprise. In fact, in Spain, they'd say that Duende is possible on any occasion where a crowd of people are gathered together um, to celebrate or to share in, listen to or witness something sort of special. Uh, this next slide is quite fun. Just shows a little of that agony and ecstasy in the sporting world. We've got Spanish soccer fans in the World Cup of 2018. And you can see it's almost, there's, there's a prayer-like quality. There's an absolute um, incantation going on there. <laughs> um, and then the, the wonderful Japanese rugby fans, um, I think it's fair to say not necessarily known for being given to huge public displays of emotion and abandonment, but boy, were they in that Rugby World Cup. It was just beautiful. And, and 
that sense that this is a absolutely shared moment. And that brings me to my final slide, um, which is the Berliner Theater in Berlin. And it's uh, a vision of what a socially distanced performance space could look like post-COVID. It's their analysis of how they could possibly get concerts and plays happening again. And I'll be honest, when I saw this picture, it just sent a shudder through me. Um, not only because I know the economics of it won't work. If you take out two thirds of the seats, you're not gonna be able to run your business. But, uh, and not because uh, sitting in a mask or not being able to use the toilets might be uncomfortable, um, but quite simply because in that space, I don't really see any possibility of Dwendy. Um, all of us who are involved in a spectator sport, and I do mean teaching, uh, as well in that. Um, we understand that the audience has a role to play in the performance. The energy that your students bring to the room or to the rehearsal will guide what you do. And that magic moment, that really special moment when something exceptional happens is quite simply duende. Um, that's what happens when an audience and you share the feeling of the performer, where you all collectively take an intake of breath I'm not really sure when we're going to be able to do that again in our theatres and our sports stadium. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that Spain will be among the first countries to try because I think there's a greater understanding there that the energy that is needed that connects us to one another is unreplaceable. Um, and as soon as we are all back travelling together and sharing in those very special moments with one another, we too will all be contributing to it. So um, let's hope it comes sooner than we think. Um, viva Duende. That's, um, that's really it from me. Thank you very much um, for your attention. Thank you for being here. Um, and um, if anybody has any questions, I know there's a little chat forum, so please do use it. Otherwise, um, be well and hope to see you on travel sometime soon. Great, Sonia. Thank you so much for that. It was a lovely presentation. Thank you. Um, just taking us through the heart and the, and the history and the depth and passion of flamenco. And, and as you say, um, you know, for the last part of the presentation, Duende is so, so relevant to everything we do as performers, uh, wherever we're performing, you know, in ourselves, just with, with a few concert hall or church. Uh, of so many people watching us, that whole captivating feeling of emotion between, between performer and audience is so relevant to all of us. So thank you again for that wonderful insight. We do have a few questions uh, coming. Probably a quick, easy one to start with. What's the fastest flamenco dancer ever, Sonia? Oh, oh, no. <laughs> I have read this and it's something like 1,200, yeah, 1,200 <laughs> taps the minute wow <laughs> that's it that's Incredible. something i picked up 12 1250 or something <laughs> wow yeah. amazing that's really fun and i presume they were uh, flamenco dancers wear special shoes yeah yeah they've got i mean traditionally they would be nails um uh, right. um sort of uh, hammered into the the heel and toe nowadays they tend to have metal plaques um but yeah but they have taps on right. both heel and and ball of the foot. Yeah, so they make that okay. cracking noise. Right, let me see another one, yep. Yeah. Um, is flamenco a dying tradition at the moment or very much alive, um, and especially with the young people? 
Yeah, I'd say it's very much alive, actually, um, because it's moved on. Um, it's uh, young. It's still very much in popular Spanish music, but it's become fusion. You know, they you you see right. flamenco bands that that use a lot of African instruments, um, and then they'll borrow samba or or South American rhythms as well. And it can be a real old mashup, but the mm. the basic base of it is still flamenco, and it's still really popular. The really old school stuff perhaps young kids don't go to anymore but it is true that particularly in the south uh, in Andalusia it's still yeah. very much a family tradition where all the family will know how to do basic Sevillana steps I mean they may not be great dancers but they'll know how to get up at a party and do you know the basics and that's a real community thing so yeah it lives it lives on yeah. is it, do you know is it still taught in schools in Spain or in Andalusia or not, is it more I of a community, a personal thing? I don't think it's a curriculum subject. I don't think it's like uh, in mainstream in schools, but um, there are a lot of conservatoires and, and academies and so on um, in all the towns and so on that kids can go and take extracurricular lessons. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure, but I don't believe it's taught as a classroom uh, um, discipline, uh, possibly in parts of Andalusia, but... Right. Do you have yourself any flamenco recording artists that you'd recommend to our listeners today um, mm. that might want to do some more research? Yeah, um, well, I would, uh, uh, as a vocalist, um, um, uh, Vicente Amigo is, is, is really wonderful. He's a young guy, um, or youngish um, guy, who again does a sort of fusion sort of jazz flamenco style um he's a balladeer but um he, he's 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 great he's got beautiful quality of voice also estrella morente um uh, and her dad uh, they're a sort of flamenco family um but again she's kind of flipped styles a bit but she's probably a, a a very still a very authentic um, powerhouse of flamenco singing um you've got to listen to Paco de Lucia there's nobody else on guitar that would be uh would would touch him in in, in my opinion um and Manzanita as well who I mentioned earlier um I would say right you can clearly tell from my guitar playing earlier that I've been listening to to lots and lots well, of we'll be listening to you now quite a lot <laughs> thank you <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any um, a flamenco song that holds a special place in your heart? Song, um, I'm trying to think. Um, experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, to be to be fair, I chose Verde because I really love I really love his treatment of it. And if I'm fancying listening to something that's got a Spanish kind of rhythm to it i will often put on that album of manzanitas and verde is the first track mm. yeah that reminds Fantastic. me of traveling with some spaniards in portugal and they introduced okay. me to it and yeah love it do you have any a favorite memory from any encore tour that you've led any groups you've been with um uh, of, of oh. live music or the experience that they had yeah i mean i did one for uh there's there's a group that really sticks out um one basically they were they were uh, I'm not going to name check because I can't remember the name of the school um, but uh, a, a fabulous um, student choir very very good um, we went to some really small villages outside of um, Madrid and 
were in the, the village church um, occasionally, which got packed to the gills. And I do remember they, they were wonderful and they had a gospel um, section in their programme, which was just um, volcanic in its energy. And it, it really did have Dwindley. And uh, that, that, the night they sang in, in the church outside Chinchon, I think it was, um, they blew the roof off and literally the Spaniards could not believe what they'd seen. They were just like wow. <laughs> these old ladies running down the street, going, "Come back, come back!" And it was because it, it was an elderly, it was an elderly population, and 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 yeah, they, the exchange was really lovely. And also a a, a, a group from um, Atash, who I think you know, um, yep, who absolutely. are a, a professional um, um, performing group from Austin, Texas, and um, they they did some fabulous performances in Spain, including in the theatre uh, in Granada, which was very unusual, the Isabella, the Catholic Theatre. And that was a very special performance because not that many groups get permission to perform there. Um, it's very tightly controlled and it's a beautiful auditorium and they, they knocked it out of the park. They were just amazing. Yeah, that was a great tour. Yeah. Great tour. Do you, although uh, obviously flamenco is very special to Andalusia, do you find it through all of Spain? Um, and elsewhere in Spain, is do you find the real traditional flamenco, or can it be a bit, you know, kind of touristy in different areas? Or yeah, it is true that it is an Andalus property in a way. Um, uh, not to say that there aren't very touristy, you know, manifestations of it in in, in Andalusia as well. Um, but that's where its heart and soul is. However, of course, Madrid is where all the stars want to go um, and make their fortune. So the real kind of royalty of flamenco, if you like, um, will always end up um, working in Madrid as well. And so you can see some of the finest um, flamenco in Madrid. Um, less so in the north, it's not typically um, something that's, that's indigenous to the Basque country, for example. Even Catalonia, I mean, there are, there are flamenco um, uh, performers and very good ones, um, but it's less, it's more of a borrowed, a borrowed art. It's not Catalan art, it's, um, yeah. Right. So southern, really, <laughs> Madrid down. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you again so much, Sonia, for your time, for your knowledge. Uh, for leading us through the world of flamenco it was fascinating i hope everyone all our listeners have enjoyed as as much of, as we have and uh, and thank you again Sonia. thanks guys before we, go, before we go i yep. want to let everyone know that our next encore live webinar will take place next week on wednesday august 26th at 1 p.m eastern standard standard time that session will feature another of our amazing encore tour managers peter Eid who uh, many of you will know, I'm sure. He'll take us through a journey or along a journey following Haydn's head after it was removed from his body. Sounds very intriguing. And that's going to be next week on August 26th. So if you look in the chat box right now, you'll find a link to sign up for that event. And we'll also be sending out an email invitation shortly to all of you. We hope to see you all there. Thank you all for joining us today. And from Sonia and myself, gracias y adios.